truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Wednesday, March 9th, 2022, the 413th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. First off, I just want to thank everybody who is still listening to the show every day, despite the problems with Anchor and various platforms, either having the show up or not having the show up. I still have people telling me, They're able to get it on Apple and Spotify, and it comes up for me. But then there are other people who are not getting it. So I don't know what to tell you about that. I've been using Podcast Guru and the people who've switched over to that app on my recommendation have been using that just fine. It's a nice app, which is another good reminder that you don't have to rely on the corporate products that it seems like everyone uses. You can use a different product and have the exact same experience, sometimes a better experience. And it comes with the added benefit of not using the products of corporations that ban and censor people. So there's that. Now, if you are using Podcast Guru, they have a rating system on that app, similar to what Apple does. And If you're using that app and you have a second, it would be great if you could leave a rating and a review. I imagine when a show first lands on their platform, if they get a lot of ratings and reviews, it probably helps with the show's placement on the app. And that stuff can help put more ears on my show, which is nice. Do you have to do it? No. But if you want to support me, go right ahead. So let's get started. And the place I want to start is with a bunch of recent fact checks and Pepe Lives Matter, who's an anonymous poster on Telegram, put some of these fact check headlines together. So a little hat tip his direction because he's an awfully nice guy. But we have fact checks from the last two weeks. This is from February 25th in the USA Today. Fact check. False claim of U.S. biolabs in Ukraine tied to Russian disinformation campaign. Ah, that Russian disinformation again. Business Insider. A debunked conspiracy theory about U.S. bioweapons laboratories in Ukraine was seized on by Russian and Chinese media outlets. And that's just from yesterday. Here's another fact check. Why Russian claims about U.S. biolabs in Ukraine don't hold up. Despite tensions, research in biolabs to fight deadly diseases must go on. 
The Straits Times. China pushes conspiracy theory about U.S. biolabs in Ukraine. Oh, no. Newsweek. U.S. biological weapons in Ukraine. Separating the facts from fiction. This is from factcheck.org. Social media posts misrepresent U.S.-Ukraine threat reduction program. And PolitiFact said the claim that Russia is targeting U.S. biological weapons labs in Ukraine invasion was false. Just false. No truth to that. Don't worry about it at all. So we are led to believe that there are not U.S. bioweapons laboratories in Ukraine. But also, if there are laboratories, then they don't deal with biological weapons. They only exist to cure deadly diseases. And sure, the U.S. funds them through the Department of Defense. I mean, anybody can find that information out. But still, they don't exist and neither do biological weapons. Except here is an exchange yesterday between Florida Rhino Senator Marco Rubio and Victoria Newland who is an undersecretary of state in the Biden administration, and she has been involved in globalist politics since the Clinton administration. She was involved in the overthrow of Ukraine's government in 2014, and there was a leaked phone call with a man named Jeffrey Pyatt where they discussed who would be the new president of Ukraine that they were going to insert into their government. You know, democracy. But here she is fact-checking the conspiracy theorists. Um, does Ukraine have chemical or biological weapons? Uh, Ukraine has uh, biological research facilities, which, in fact, we are now quite concerned Russian troops, Russian forces may be seeking to uh, gain control of. So we are working with the Ukrainians on how they can prevent any of those research materials from falling into the hands of uh, Russian forces should they approach. I'm sure you're aware that the Russian propaganda groups are already putting out there all kinds of information about how they've uncovered a plot by the Ukrainians to release biological weapons in the country and with NATO's coordination. If there's a biological or chemical weapon incident or, uh, or attack inside of Ukraine, is there any doubt in your mind that 100% it would be the Russians that would be behind it? There is no doubt in my mind, Senator, and it is classic Russian uh, technique to blame on the other guy what they're planning to do themselves. Now, that is just amazing, especially the end. The end is hilarious. Marco Rubio, total sellout, right? The worst of the worst of the Uniparty. He is as bad as they get. If you've been listening to the show, you'll know that I have absolutely no patience for people who pretend at times to actually care about American citizens. And then the rest of the time, they're Marco Rubio. These rhinos are as bad or worse than Democrat Communist Party members. At least the Democrat Communists are out there saying what they intend to do. And yeah, they spin it with a whole lot of nonsense talking about how it's actually productive for the world. Rubio actually pretends to be some sort of opposition to the global agenda. And then even when the issue is this important, 
he goes out immediately to cover for the global agenda. So the end of that, she says it's classic Russian technique to accuse the other guy of what you're about to do. That's what they're doing. And that's what they've been doing on everything forever. It's literally the switcheroo strategy. But if they call it out and they get all of the clueless people in our country to believe that, then they can just tell them everything. All they have to do is continually say that the other side is about to do something and they'll sound like they're nailing it if you don't know anything. And that was in response to a Rubio question where he said, if there's any sort of chemical or biological attack in Ukraine, do you have any doubt that it's 100% absolutely the Russians and it couldn't have been anything else? It was for sure the Russians and everybody's got to blame this on Vladimir Putin and not take any responsibility for what actually has been happening in Ukraine for the last 20 years, but truthfully, the last 70. And with that brilliant setup, she just agrees. Oh, yeah. Yes, Senator, you are exactly right. If something bad happens to whatever's in the U.S. funded bio labs in Ukraine, it'll be Russia's fault. Now, she came out to have this discussion at a certain time for a certain reason. Can we know the exact reason? Well, we can have a pretty educated guess about what the reason is. And that's that Russia claims to have documents that show the U.S. was developing biological agents that can cause pandemics and that they set about destroying these biological agents on February 24th, knowing that the Russians may come in to target those bio labs. The Chinese agree with the Russians, which, you know, sure, they could both be lying. But the facts on the ground also agree with the Russians and the press in America in their own dishonest, indirect and obfuscatory ways also agree with the Russians. They were right out there out front saying there are no bio labs. There are no bioweapons in those labs. Those labs are just there to fix diseases, just like the Wuhan Institute of Virology that we also fund. The Department of Defense funds these labs. Our politicians, including Barack Obama, have been over in Ukraine to get these labs up and functioning. These are bioweapons facilities scattered through the Ukraine. The Ukraine is a border nation to Russia. They had agreements about nuclear non-proliferation because Russia doesn't want an existential threat on their doorway all the time that is being put there by the same corrupt people that are responsible for so many of the problems that we're facing right now. And it certainly doesn't help that they're doing that in coordination with an illegitimate regime who has actual Nazis protecting their interests and in their own military. And so consider the approach here. Eventually, they have to go ahead and admit that there actually are bio labs in Ukraine, but they can't present it as, oh, the conspiracy theorists, they were right the whole time. So what they say is we are actually nervous about those labs because we don't want anything bad to happen. 
We're actually focused on safety. And truthfully, the labs, they were there to focus on safety too. We're just trying to cure the world of diseases. We're not making biological weapons. What we're doing is dual use research of concern that can't be on American soil. So we'll ship it over to these other countries that we control that no one can know about. There'll be zero accountability. Everything will be all good. We're going to solve all the world's diseases. Even though we want the population to decrease, we're going to make sure that everybody can live forever. And if they want to have more babies, then those people will live forever too, because we're going to cure all of the world's diseases. In fact, one way we can do that is by editing your DNA. And we have a great way to do that now. Isn't that amazing? So all our work over there is just to cure the world's diseases. There are not bioweapons. But that said, if it turns out that Russia actually gains control of these labs, well, then they might have access to bioweapons. That's basically what she just said. But that's not going to do anything for the people who won't believe something until the television tells them. They want to pile one new lie on top of all the old lies all the time. Whatever the TV says about this, that's what they're going to go with. Okay, well, yeah, fine. There are bio labs in Ukraine that the Department of Defense funded, but it was the Threat Reduction Agency. You can hear it in the name, Threat Reduction. They couldn't have been doing anything bad. It can only turn bad if it falls into the wrong hands. And the wrong hands are Russian hands. Don't you understand? The Russians want to come in and steal all our biological material that's not weaponry. And then maybe they'll end up releasing it. But it wouldn't be a weapon. It would be a disease that could cripple society. But it wouldn't be a weapon. We need to keep all of those labs and all of that biological material in our hands. The right hands. We don't want it in the wrong hands. That's what we're trying to say. So we need to keep it in the right hands, which is our DOD, surely the CIA, and definitely, definitely NIH's Francis Collins and NIAID's Anthony Fauci. Those two are the experts around the world. No one does biological weapons better than Francis Collins and Anthony Fauci. I mean, uh, biological material handled very carefully and very safely in these foreign labs that we don't really have anything to do with, honestly. So which parts of all this are Russian disinformation? Certainly not the existence of the labs. Certainly not what's in the labs. I mean, if it can fall into the wrong hands and become a biological weapon, well, then it's already a biological weapon. The argument would really only be about whose hands that weapon is safe in. And of course, they're saying that the Russian disinformation is that the reason Russia is in Ukraine and attacking various parts of Ukraine is to go after these labs and other strategic military assets and other assets. That part is total disinformation. Russia is there to take over Ukraine and to torture the Ukrainian people until Vladimir Putin can put the Soviet Union back together again. That's what we're being told. In fact, let's hear from Lindsey Graham. He's going to let us know what's really going on there. 
the the threat we really face because we know that Putin's not going after bioweapons laboratories, even though he's already gone after bioweapons laboratories and says Russia says that they have documents proving all of this, including the information about what was being experimented on and the rushed disposal of those materials. That is called destroying evidence, right? If it was, if this was a criminal trial, for instance, the bioweapons that weren't being worked on in those labs were destroyed so they wouldn't fall into the wrong hands. But all of that is a conspiracy theory. Let's hear Lindsey Graham say what the real deal is. Understand where we're coming from here. Do you think that we should have been plowing full steam ahead to bring Ukraine into NATO? Is that our strategy here, or what was the strategy? Well, I think you're misreading the tea leaves with all due respect. Putin gave a speech last year where he said that Ukraine was a fiction. If you don't believe Putin wants to take the Ukraine and make it part of Russia, you're not listening to what he no, says. No, I do. Okay, well, Moldova's next. Hitler did this whole thing. People didn't believe he had the ambitions he had. He wanted to take over the world and kill all the Jews. Here's what Putin wants to do. He wants to recreate the Soviet Union. He, think it was, he thinks it was a low point in Russian history. In 1994, Jesse, the third largest nuclear nation on the planet was Ukraine. They signed an agreement with Russia, Great Britain, uh, and the United States where they would give up their nuclear weapons with a promise by Russia to guarantee their sovereignty. Putin stepped all over that like Hitler did. So Putin's the bad guy, Biden's the incompetent guy. <laughs> and I just want to say well, this. Well, I agree with that. I, <laughs> okay. I, and you know, it was Bill Clinton that signed that deal to yeah, move those right. nuclear weapons out yeah. of Ukraine. If they had had nukes now, this would yeah. have been a different story. But it. do you think that American foreign policy should have been a little bit more delicate with Ukraine, maybe used a little more finesse and tried to keep it more as a buffer instead of yeah. just just wrenching it out of Putin's hands and just bringing it right into NATO as aggressively yeah. as possible. Would that have changed things? Because now yeah. Americans are suffering. Ukraine is definitely yeah. suffering. And who knows yeah. where the hell this could go? They had the same arguments about Hitler. Why don't we just give him the German speaking portions surrounding? Why don't we give him Austria? You've got to understand who Putin is. Putin's not trying to have a buffer zone from NATO. He's trying to destroy the Ukraine and make it part of Russia. He's trying to recreate the Soviet Union to the best extent possible. And Taiwan is going to be given up if we think like this. I'm not going to let Putin control NATO. NATO is an independent organization. Nobody in NATO is going to invade Russia. But if you don't believe that Putin's ambitions are to reconstruct the greater Russia or the Soviet Union, you're missing what he's no, saying. I do. I agree. Okay. So Putin just wants to take all that territory. And our role in the fight is to preserve the sovereign borders of Ukraine. Now, again, we talked about this yesterday. Putin already put out his list of demands that will allow him to stand down. Make sure Ukraine is completely neutral. They can't enter NATO. They can't enter the EU. Neither of those things are going to happen already. He wants Crimea to be recognized as part of Russia. And he wants the separatist regions in eastern Ukraine to be made 
independent states. But according to Lindsey Graham, he's Hitler and he wants to take over the world. He's just starting here. And if we don't go bomb the hell out of him, if we don't punch him in the nose, well, he's just going to eventually take over the whole world. And hearing that clip can't quite do it justice. Watching that clip is so much better because Lindsey Graham looks absolutely panicked, pure panic. And remember, he and John McCain have were spending a lot of time heading over to Ukraine. There's a video where Lindsey Graham is telling Ukrainian soldiers that they're all in the fight together. This is from 2016. He's saying next year in 2017, that's going to be the year where we take the fight to them. Why is Lindsey Graham flying to a foreign country to give rah-rah speeches to their soldiers? Well, that's pretty strange. There's a whole lot of corruption in Ukraine and all, all of these old school uniparty communists and globalists are neck deep in it. So here is the Russian disinformation that Russia is putting out. This is their response to the situation and to Victoria Newland's comments. And obviously it's through a translator. But the woman speaking in Russian is the director of information and press department of the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of the Russian Federation, Maria Vladimirovna Zakharova. Assume that the materials existing today, the confirmations that were made these days by the Ukrainian side and by the United States of America, there was a statement made by the Deputy Secretary of State, Victoria Nuland, leave no doubt, will no, will not leave an opportunity for Washington to keep silence this time. We remember how many years and also their their attempts uh, while spilling blood to find biological and chemical weapons throughout the world while in fact occupying killing people they were looking in the wrong place we have found instead of you we have found your own products we have found your biological material it was developed primarily for military purposes as it turns out it was all happening in Ukraine. What were you doing there? It's a different continent. It has no borders with you. There are no bases of yours. What were they doing there under the guise of scientific research? Your specialist, among others. On a regular basis, they were giving instructions to the Ukrainian side as to the purposes of their studies involved. Now, considering that we have the evidence that cannot be refuted, we demand that you provide details. The world must know what were, were you intending to do there, to what end, within which deadline, what was the amount of the so-called investments in the biological activities of Ukraine. The data, materials, documents, please provide them. Enough games. So I know that's a little choppy, but I wanted you to hear the whole thing because a lot of the coverage on it, of course, they clip out little pieces and then contextualize it for you. It's always better to just hear the real thing. 
And then we can try to place it in some context after you know what they really said. So Reuters today did a service to the global communists, as they always do. And their headline was, Russia says U.S. has biolabs with plague and anthrax in Ukraine. U.S. calls claims absurd. And they're specifically reporting on the speech you just heard. But listen to how they start. Okay, Russia said on Wednesday that the United States must explain what Moscow claims was a military biological program in Ukraine, an allegation Washington has already dismissed as, quote, absurd and, quote, misinformation. So one word. They used a one word quote, and this was from something that had already been dismissed. You get it? So the U.S. has already dismissed this claim. It doesn't matter what the substance is. Once the U.S. calls something absurd, once the fake administration calls something absurd, once our media calls something absurd, well, then it's been debunked and you can't talk about it. In fact, if you take it seriously, you're probably a Russian agent and part of the problem. And you know what kind of person is going to attempt to silence you by saying that? A person who's not worried that the U.S. taxpayers are funding this sort of biomedical research in the creation of bioweapons that are sometimes used in the world. In fact, we had the COVID-19 virus that was made in a lab and spliced with HIV and cancer genes. No big deal. But who else is calling it Russian disinformation and calling you a traitor to the country if you take this stuff seriously? Oh, well, people who are trying to debunk the fact that the comedic actor's army is in large part a Nazi army, an actual neo-Nazi army. Actual Nazis with their symbolism on their uniforms and not only the history, but the contemporary open source reporting of actual Nazis in Ukraine. That's been debunked, too. That's an absurd claim. All of this is Russian disinformation. Who are you going to trust? The people that lie to you about everything or Russia? But I have to admit, it's kind of incredible that the fake administration, the people who are only in office due to a stolen election, the people who are actively trying to support a Nazi militia because the comedic actor is so charming, and the people who have lied for years about the coronavirus and everything else, they are going to tell everybody else that they are not patriotic unless they go along with the global communist agenda as it is implemented in the United States. There is nothing, nothing patriotic about these people, nothing patriotic about Victoria Newland. nothing patriotic about Lindsey Graham, nothing patriotic about the fake administration, nothing patriotic about the rhinos who have helped inflict the COVID damage on this society, who helped cover up the stolen election, and who are now championing support for Ukraine. It's incredible how many of our representatives are wearing Ukraine flag pins around. Nancy Pelosi was up at a microphone this morning with a Ukrainian flag lapel pin. 
These people should not be lecturing anyone about patriotism. They are destroying this country intentionally to bring us into the Great Reset, to bring us into the global world order. And the phrase world order shouldn't sound conspiratorial at all, right? These people talk constantly about the rules-based order, the American order, the post-World War II order. And then in the 80s and 90s, they started talking about the new world order. You can see video of George H.W. Bush talking about it. It's not a conspiracy theory. I mean, people may have this detail or that detail wrong. And maybe some people think too much is attached to that. I suppose it's possible. And maybe there are some interesting arguments around the edges of that. But it's not a conspiracy theory. The Great Reset is not a conspiracy theory. Klaus Schwab wrote a book called COVID-19, The Great Reset. He wrote a book called Stakeholder Capitalism. That is fascism. And then he just released a book called The Great Narrative, where they admit that they are trying to write this story to convince people to believe what they must have them believe so that they can continue with the agenda. All of this is right out in the open. The only reason, the only reason to believe any of this is a conspiracy theory is because the TV says so and because your mind may not be open enough to the staggering level of evil in this world possessed by the people who say they are our leaders. But let's go back to the Reuters article just so that we know what the globalist press is telling us. Russian Foreign Ministry spokeswoman Maria Zakharova said evidence of the alleged program had been uncovered by Russia during what it calls its military operation in Ukraine, which its forces invaded on February 24th. It involved deadly pathogens, including plague and anthrax, she said. A Ukrainian presidential spokesperson, who I guess is going to just go unnamed, said, Ukraine strictly denies any such allegation. Very bold, very powerful. In response to earlier Russian allegations about the purported military biological program in Ukraine, a Pentagon spokesman said on Tuesday, this absurd Russian misinformation is patently false. I guess that proves it. Zakharova said Russia had documents showing that the Ukrainian health ministry had ordered the destruction of samples of plague, cholera, anthrax, and other pathogens after February 24th. We can already conclude that in Ukrainian biological laboratories in direct proximity to the territory of our country, development of components of biological weapons was being carried out, she said. It was not possible to independently confirm the authenticity of any such documents. And isn't that convenient that they couldn't confirm them? Well, what happens when we find out that they are confirmed? Because there is absolutely no reason to believe that's not going to happen within the next few days. They always try to say the documents are fake at the beginning. 
Then once it becomes clear that the documents are not fake, they try to say that the documents don't say the thing they said. You see, if you just understood it a little better, if you were a smart person, if you were an expert, you would understand that the words in that document don't mean what you think they mean. They actually mean something different. And so we're going to tell you what that different thing is, and then we're never going to talk about that document ever again. When they are using excuses and language like this to try to convince you that the story is wrong, you should automatically assume the story is right until it is proven otherwise. The idea that these documents are somehow fake and that this entire story is just Russian disinformation, well, that idea has already collapsed, okay? They've been saying conspiracy theorist for two weeks now, two weeks about this lab stuff. And then Victoria Newland has to come out and admit that not only are the labs there, there might be materials in those labs that could become extremely dangerous if they fall into the wrong hands. They've already given up so much of the story. There is no reason to believe those documents are fake. And when those documents prove real, then what? Then what is the response at that point? Is it still a conspiracy theory? Oh, yes, of course, it's still a conspiracy theory because those biological agents, well, they were just testing them to make sure we could prevent deadly diseases in the event of an outbreak that could be caused by this thing we created from nothing falling into the wrong hands. And it should be clear that this is a direct parallel to the sort of research that was being done in Wuhan and the sort of research we've been discussing for almost two years now, that at this point, it should be safe to say, should not be happening anywhere. All right. The dual use research of concern, one use, they tell us that it's there to solve health problems. The other use, well, it's there to create bioweapons, gain of function. They make the virus more transmissible or more virulent. They make the virus deadlier and more infectious so that they can figure out ways to cure a virus in case a virus happens to be deadlier or more infectious than something you might find in nature. Well, how do we cure these viruses in nature? Uh, I don't know. You know what we should try to do? Figure out how to make these viruses in nature far more dangerous and then figure out how to cure those. What a brilliant idea. Zakharova said the alleged program was financed by the Pentagon. We are not talking about peaceful uses or scientific goals, she said. And there's no reason to believe she's wrong about that. The Biden administration must officially explain to the world, not through talking heads, she says, about the programs in Ukraine, adding, we demand details. Zakharova said it was not clear if the alleged materials had been destroyed, and she asked if they had fallen into the hands of extremists or nationalists. And Ukrainian nationalists are the extremists, are the Nazis. There is nothing extremist about being a nationalist per se, but in this context, in the Ukrainian context, that is 
used interchangeably with the extremists and with the neo-Nazi groups, because we are all supposed to believe that they are far right in their political tendencies. That's strange that if they're far right, they are still operating in concert with our far left, our fake administration and the global communist order. There is nothing far right about Nazism and there never was. Russia has made allegations about the United States working with Ukrainian laboratories to develop biological weapons for several years. Accusations that increased in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic. Both countries have consistently denied the reports. So the report, the allegation is that the U.S. was working with Ukraine to develop biological weapons for several years. Okay. Both countries have consistently denied the reports. That is what Reuters is saying disproves the claim. But does that disprove the claim? Obviously, the answer is no. They are making the statement that the U.S. and Ukraine say it doesn't happen. But that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. They just want that claim to work that way when you read it. The thing that actually disproves the Russian allegations is that biological weapons were not being developed in U.S. Ukraine biolabs in Ukraine. But that's not true. And Victoria Newland has already admitted it. So we really don't need to be told that the U.S. and Ukraine denied the allegations. That doesn't matter at all. Since the 1990s, the two countries have worked together as part of an international agreement aiming to reduce the threat of weapons of mass destruction following the fall of the Soviet Union. Since 2005, they have also collaborated on preventing outbreaks of infectious diseases, including on vaccine research. In addition, there are public health labs in Ukraine, as in most countries of the world, that research other dangerous diseases affecting both animals and humans to better understand how to mitigate those threats. You got that? So it's just the same as everywhere else. That means it's not a problem because it happens everywhere. Oh, but it doesn't just mean that. Oh, it could mean that it's actually a problem everywhere and that that problem is actually really widespread around the world. But you're not supposed to think that when you read this. They're framing it for you so you don't make that mistake. They're just looking out for you so that you don't end up engaging in wrong think or wrong speak because then they have to censor you and ban your podcast. This is from February 25th in the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists, which is a very serious and high-level publication. They have a headline on their front page right now, Ukraine building a nuclear bomb? Dangerous nonsense. So believe them. They're always right. This is from February 25th. As I said, U.S. official Russian invasion of Ukraine risks release of dangerous pathogens. Oh, now that's weird. And it's from two weeks ago before the conspiracy theory even picked up steam. This is the day after those labs were directed to destroy the dangerous pathogens that aren't there. 
The Russian invasion of Ukraine may put at risk a network of U.S.-linked labs in Ukraine that work with dangerous pathogens, said Robert Pope, the director of the Cooperative Threat Reduction Program, a 30-year-old Defense Department program that has helped secure the former Soviet Union's weapons of mass destruction and redirect former bioweapons facilities and scientists toward peaceful endeavors. You got that? So these were Soviet bioweapons. They built the labs in Ukraine and made the labs safer with all that Department of Defense funding so that they could control Soviet bioweapons from 30 years ago. So these are former bioweapons facilities. The scientists were redirecting everything toward peaceful endeavors. And yes, the Defense Department funded them, as it just said, but it was a threat reduction program. The labs in Ukraine are not bioweapons facilities. <laughs> you just said they were. The U.S. government maintains, got that? A very clear, direct statement. These are not bioweapons facilities. Then the qualifier, the U.S. government maintains. The U.S. government maintains that they are public and animal health labs operated by host countries. Although a long-running Russian disinformation campaign has painted a picture of a network of U.S. military labs in Ukraine, Georgia, and other former Soviet republics involved in bioweapons or risky research, Pope said the labs conduct peaceful scientific research and disease surveillance. Outside experts have also said Pope's program is not a covert bioweapons operation. While the United States isn't maintaining bioweapons facilities, Pope said, war could put pathogen collections in Ukraine at risk. You got that? So they're just collecting viruses from Ukraine, bringing them to the lab and then making sure that they can never hurt anyone unless they fall into the wrong hands. I would say from every facility that we have worked with them in, we have confidence that as long as the electrical power is turned on and the people we have trained are present at the facility, the biosafety officers, that these pathogens are safe and secure to international standards. Oh, okay. So as long as the power is on and as long as your people are there, then the safety of the dangerous pathogens will conform with international standards. What are those standards? I guess that's probably too complicated for this discussion. Should these facilities be damaged by conflict? That could change. Our facilities are not bioweapons facilities. We just collect viruses, bring them there, and then we experiment on them. Sometimes we make them more infectious or more deadly. But that's just so we know how to cure them. I mean, if something were to happen, <laughs> that could change. But right now, we are living up to all the standards we put in place. There's a policy, which means it can never happen. The pathogens with which the Cooperative Threat Reduction Program labs work are generally kept frozen, so they can't replicate and become infectious. The risk the pathogens pose would increase if a building lost power and suffered damage. If you lose the electrical power, the pathogens in the freezers warm up, he said. 
If the ventilation system is damaged or the building itself is damaged, and now these ambient temperature pathogens are able to escape the facility, then they can be potentially infectious in the region around the facility. And then they could probably travel to the rest of the world too. But trust us, these these hands that it's all in, these are the right hands. Although Russian officials and media have misrepresented the U.S.-supported labs in Ukraine and other Soviet countries in disinformation campaigns, Pope doesn't believe the Russians will deliberately aim weapons at the labs during the invasion. I think the Russians know enough about the kinds of pathogens that are stored in biological research laboratories that I don't think they would deliberately target a laboratory, Pope said. But what I do have concerns about is that they would be accidentally damaged during this Russian invasion. The invasion also could provide fodder for new disinformation narratives around the labs, Pope feared. The Russians, he said, could potentially go to one of these facilities and fabricate something that they call evidence of nefarious activity at the facility. And that is some really excellent pre-programming of a narrative. You see, it's going to be Russian disinformation no matter what they say, if it makes us look bad. If it makes our bioweapons program look bad, the one that we have with the Defense Department, You know, the Defense Against Diseases Department. That's what we're talking about, of course. Not like our military. Oh, it is our military? Oh, yeah, it's the same thing? Got it. Okay. So it's all Russian disinformation. Now, since we know that Marco Rubio knows 100% that if anything bad happens, it's Russia's fault, and Victoria Nuland agreed that if anything bad happens, it's Russia's fault, that means that if anything happens at all, that makes the U.S. look bad, it's Russian disinformation because the Russians are bad no matter what the evidence shows. Is anyone beginning to see a pattern here? How they use these sorts of explanations about every single issue in existence all the time? And this article goes on, but I want to read two more quotes from this guy, Robert Pope. There is no place that still has any sort of infrastructure for researching or producing biological weapons. Scientists being scientists, it wouldn't surprise me if some of these strain collections in some of these laboratories still have pathogen strains that go all the way back to the origins of the program. You got that? So scientists are virus hoarders. They couldn't let go of all those old Russian bioweapons. So they've kept those in the lab. Those must be the strains that are still there since the origins of the program. And remember, the origin of the program was to de-escalate the threat of the Russian bioweapons labs. And by de-escalate, they just meant they're going to keep them and continue to do research on them, but it'll be in the right hands instead of the wrong hands. And now granted, I am a crazy conspiracy theorist, but in my mind, all of this sounds like the officials responsible for debunking this narrative are actually proving it all in their own different ways by proving every single little piece of it and trying to debunk something else. One of them debunks the idea that the Defense Department is paying for this. The other one admits it. One of them says there's no deadly pathogens. The other one admits it. We were told there were no biolabs. Well, they admitted that. We were told that Putin's not going after the biolabs. 
Well, if the documents and the other evidence is authenticated, what happens to that? And as I was talking about yesterday, there's actually no way for them to get ahead of this at this point. Their information doesn't move fast enough. It is all dishonest. It is impossible to create new lies that fit the rest of their story and the reality as fast as they need to create them to stay ahead of the narrative. They are failing everywhere all the time. Now let's go to the National Pulse. This is Natalie Winters from yesterday. Exclusive. Deleted web pages show Obama led an effort to build a Ukraine-based biolab handling, quote, especially dangerous pathogens. <laughs> and I'm laughing because all of this reminds me of this scene from Austin Powers. Danger powers, personal effects. Actually, my name is Austin Powers. It says your name, Danger Powers. No, 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 no. Danger's my middle name. Okay, Austin Danger Powers. One blue crushed velvet suit. Hey, all right. One frilly lace cravat. There it is. One silver medallion with male symbol. One pair of Italian boots. Buongiorno, boys. One vinyl record album. Bert Bacharach plays his hits. Hey, bro. Yeah. One Swedish-made penis enlarger pump. That's not mine. One credit card receipt for Swedish-made penis enlarger signed by Austin Powers. I'm telling you, baby, that's not mine. One warranty card for Swedish-made penis enlarger pump filled out by Austin Powers. I don't even know what this is. This sort of thing ain't my bag, baby. One book, Swedish-made penis enlarger pumps and me. This sort of thing is my bag, baby, by Austin Powers. Ah. Just sign the form. Okay, don't get heavy, man. I'll sign it just to get things moving, you know. That's not my bio lab, baby. A deleted web article recovered by the National Pulse reveals that former President Barack Obama spearheaded an agreement leading to the construction of biolabs handling, quote, especially dangerous pathogens in Ukraine. The news comes on the same day that Biden regime apparatchik Victoria Newland told the U.S. Senate that the American government is concerned about biological research facilities falling into Russian hands as a result of the ongoing conflict in Eastern Europe. Originally posted on June 18th, 2010, the article Biolab opens in Ukraine details how Obama, while serving as an Illinois senator, helped negotiate a deal to build a level three biosafety lab in the Ukrainian city of Odessa. The article, which also highlighted the work of former Senator Dick Luger, was additionally included in issue number 818 of the United States Air Force Counterproliferation Center's Outreach Journal. So it's, it's probably, probably not real. 
Luger said plans for the facility began in 2005 when he and then Senator Barack Obama entered a partnership with Ukrainian officials. Luger and Obama also helped coordinate efforts between the U.S. and Ukrainian researchers that year in an effort to study and help prevent avian flu, explained author Tina Redlip. A 2011 report from the U.S. National Academy of Sciences Committee on Anticipating Biosecurity Challenges of the Global Expansion of High Containment Biological Laboratories. Wow, that's one big academy. Explained how the Odessa-based laboratory is responsible for the identification of especially dangerous biological pathogens. This laboratory was reconstructed and technically updated to the BSL-3 level through a cooperative agreement between the United States Department of Defense and the Ministry of Health of Ukraine that started in 2005. The collaboration focuses on preventing the spread of technologies, pathogens, and knowledge that can be used in the development of biological weapons. The report continues. The updated laboratory serves as interim central reference laboratory with a depositarium for pathogen collection. According to Ukrainian regulations, it has a permit to work with both bacteria and viruses of the first and second pathogenic groups, explains the report. A separate document detailing Ukraine's biolab network from the Bioweapons Prevention Project outlines in greater detail the scope of pathogens the facility has conducted research with. Among the viruses the lab studied were Ebola and, quote, viruses of pathogenicity group two by using of virology, molecular, serologica, and express methods. Additionally, the lab provided, quote, special training for specialists on biosafety and biosecurity issues during handling of dangerous biological pathogenic agents. The unearthed biolab facility follows intense scrutiny over the U.S. government's decision to fund risky gain-of-function research in Wuhan at a Chinese Communist Party-run lab with military ties. So once again, that is your bag, baby. And that is Barack Obama's direct involvement in the Ukrainian bioweapons facilities. And who would you bet was spearheading all that research? I bet Anthony Fauci was in there somewhere. Now let's switch subjects just slightly. This is from today in RT, which we are told is a Russian propaganda outlet. And we know that because you have to access it by turning on a VPN and then using a private browser window like I just had to. But it could have been an Internet error. So RT, grain of salt, take it for what it's worth. Russian disinformation for sure. But who are you going to trust? This Russian disinformation or the people who lie about everything all the time? How about we go with neither and just consider it information among other information? We will take it for what it's worth. We'll let it rattle around in our heads for a little while, and we'll see what it connects to down the line. Secret Ukrainian documents allegedly captured by the Russian military seemingly prove that Kiev was planning a major offensive against the breakaway eastern Donbass regions this month, which Moscow preempted with its own attack, Russia's Ministry of Defense has declared. It published the purported evidence on Wednesday. All right, that's just the start, right? We're going to get into the detail, but think about what that's saying, okay? 
That's saying that Russia claims it had intelligence that there was going to be a major offensive against the separatist groups in eastern Ukraine. So that would be one motivation for Russia to defend those areas because they are legitimately worried about a genocide happening there at the hands of Ukrainian neo-Nazis who have been engaged in that civil war with those regions for eight years. But that couldn't happen. They would never launch a major offensive there. They would never try to blame that on Russia with all those false flag things we kept hearing about. All of it's so suspect. What conspiracy theories will bloom? The release includes images of six pages which are claimed to have been captured in Ukraine. Written in the Ukrainian language and bearing the traits of official paperwork, they appear to be classified communications of the Ukrainian National Guard. RT has been unable to independently verify the documents, so they're admitting that to you. You can still consider these documents unverified. Information, among other information. According to the papers, in late January, National Guard Commander Colonel General, that's too many titles, Command Colonel General, Mikola Balan ordered at least some units under his command to boost their capabilities for conducting warfare against the breakaway Donetsk and Lugansk People's Republics. Various parts of the preparation had to be completed throughout February, with a final deadline of February 28th, according to the documents. The measures were ordered based on an instruction purportedly issued by President Volodymyr Zelensky on January 18th. That's very interesting. The comedic actor purportedly issued these instructions, but he has people handling him, obviously. He's every bit the Manchurian candidate that Barack Obama and Joe Biden are. The presidential website does not list a document that the papers released by Moscow correspond with. So either the papers released by Moscow are simply wrong or they didn't want to publish this sort of thing on the presidential website. The Russian military claims the documents provide clear indication that Kiev was planning to launch a major offensive against the rebels sometime in March. It pointed out that the commander apparently stressed the need to screen soldiers based on their mental state, including the capacity to take risks when carrying out orders, <laughs> like doing something that is morally abhorrent. That's why they got to hire the Nazis. We remember well the statements by the Kiev regime, which the Western media disseminated in February, claiming there were no plans for a military takeover of the breakaway republics, their determination to resolve all issues through diplomacy. Russian Defense Ministry spokesman Major General Igor Konashenkov said during a briefing Wednesday. But the originals of the secret combat documents of the National Guard of Ukraine conclusively prove that those statements were false. He stated the official said the Russian military operation preempted a major Ukrainian attack against Donetsk and Lugansk, which the ministry believes would have started in March. He added the only question that remains to be answered is to what degree, if any, Western nations participated in the planning. NATO nations have been training and arming the Ukrainian National Guard for years, Konashenkov said. And remember, the Azov Battalion, the Nazis, are part of the Ukrainian National Guard that NATO nations have been training and arming and funding. 
Russia attacked Ukraine in late February, days after recognizing the two breakaway regions as sovereign nations and pledging to defend them with force. Among other things, Moscow claimed the offensive was necessary to stop hostilities between government and rebel forces, which have continued since 2014, and the deaths of civilians amid the fighting. Those civilians, by the way, are the ones the Nazis and the Ukrainians are using as human shields. But I know, I know, hashtag you stand with Ukraine. You are so righteous and so moral to be posting on Instagram about Ukraine. Kiev and its foreign backers have described the Russian assault as unprovoked. The U.S. and its allies have imposed crippling economic sanctions against Russia, stating that the damage that their own economies would suffer as a result was a price worth paying to defend Ukraine. And remember, that's what all of this is about. All of this is about the West needing to defend the sovereign borders of Ukraine against Russian aggression because Vladimir Putin is Hitler and wants to create a new Soviet Union. He's going to try to take over all of Europe. And he's going to start with the other places that used to be part of Russia. And he's going to do that to create a world war that all of the West is actively begging for but can't seem to get started because their false flags keep failing and their corruption and complicity in this catastrophic evil is coming to light every single day. But let's go a little bit deeper. This is from Breitbart yesterday. China says Ukraine's neo-Nazi Azov battalion helped Hong Kong protesters. The Chinese state propaganda newspaper Global Times elevated the Russian government's claims that its ongoing invasion of Ukraine is necessary to denazify the country on Monday by accusing Ukraine's neo-Nazi Azov battalion militants of involvement in the 2019 Hong Kong anti-communist protests. The article follows remarks by Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi, stating that the Communist Party is seeking more active involvement in the war between Russia and Ukraine and may signal China's argument for a bigger role in the conflict, that Russia's enemies in Ukraine are, allegedly, conspiring with China's enemies at home. The Azov Battalion, the Global Times claimed, is known in the West for its extreme neo-Nazi stance and for its suspected involvement in a number of terrorist attacks and separate incitement incidents in various countries and regions, including the riots in China's Hong Kong Special Administrative Region in 2019. The Chinese government considers the peaceful anti-communist protests in Hong Kong that year terrorist activity. Millions took to the streets of the once autonomous region initially to oppose a proposed bill that would have allowed China to extradite anyone present in Hong Kong into China if accused of violating Chinese law. Chinese communist crimes include vague accusations like picking quarrels and provoking trouble, a catch-all used to imprison anyone publicly criticizing the Communist Party's government performance. Well, that sounds a lot like what our government is doing now, truth be told. And the article goes on. Now, consider the source. China's Global Times, an outlet that I think is agreed to be a Chinese state media propaganda outlet. Okay, so we got to admit that is a possibility, if not a likelihood, if not 
definitely true, right? You got to give that some weight. And generally speaking, Hong Kong is a nice place that we are told was free and that the Chinese Communist Party is taking it over through aggressive force. Same thing they're about to do in Taiwan. And so you got to give that some weight too. But what if they're not wrong about this, right? What if there is some provable link between the neo-Nazi regiments being funded and armed and trained by our own CIA? What if they were somehow involved in those protest marches and riots in Hong Kong? We know for a fact that there was foreign money and foreign influence being fed into our own domestic terrorist organizations, Black Lives Matter and Antifa. Black Lives Matter, of course, being the legitimate front for all of that rioting. Well, you can't criticize the rioting because Black Lives Matter are just peaceful protesters and they're out there solving racism. So whatever Antifa is doing doesn't really matter. It's just a, a, a rally for racial equity. And then we had politicians all over the place, like the Democrat communist version of Danny DeVito's The Penguin, Jerry Nadler, saying that Antifa doesn't even exist. But it's strange because Antifa uses so much of the imagery that existed in World War II Germany. But there's no connection. In fact, Antifa doesn't exist. And they are actually anti-fascist. You got it? Just like the anti-fascists in Germany were really anti-fascists. And you can tell that Antifa is actually anti-fascist here because the corporations in America, the stakeholders in stakeholder capitalism, a.k.a. fascism, they are always denouncing Antifa and Black Lives Matter. Every time they get the opportunity. Oh, no, wait. They are supporting those organizations every time they get the opportunity. And our media supports those organizations every time they get the opportunity. Our media covers for those riots, for all the looting, the burning, the assaults, the murders. All of that's okay because you can tell from their name they are anti-fascist. Now. All of that action, that anti-fascist action and the Black Lives Matter action. Well, that has caused significant problems in our country and they have caused significant problems in our country with the help of foreigners. And it may be worth digging for a few minutes on how that might have affected that time back a couple summers ago where Donald Trump had to be taken to a secure location in the White House because there was a breach of the White House grounds. I wonder if there were any foreigners involved in that. It would just be an interesting thing to find out. That's all I'm saying. But what is the important takeaway here, or what would it be? What is the crux of this situation? It is whether or not Ukrainian neo-Nazis were involved in the protests and whatever those protests became in Hong Kong. So is it physically possible? Well, yes, obviously it's physically possible. Why would we believe it? Well, it does to some extent fit a pattern. So you can't just deny it right off the bat. Why would we disbelieve it? Well, the only reason we're given to disbelieve it is because the information is coming from what we believe to be 
Chinese state media propaganda. Okay, that's a pretty good reason to not trust the information. And I'm not suggesting you do trust it. It's information among other information. Does it map onto reality? Well, we are going to see. And if it did, that would kind of force us to reshape some of our priors. Okay, if this proves true, if this is actually what's going on there, well, that really changes the picture of what's happening in China. If there was a group of well-funded Ukrainian neo-Nazi infiltrators in those protests in Hong Kong, then those protests would take on a whole different meaning for those of us in the United States of America who accepted the media story initially, knowing that the CCP is very, very bad and took the side of the Hong Kong protesters. That is what we are told is the right position. Okay. And I have taken that position, but maybe that position's wrong. We have to be open to these things being wrong. Okay. We can see that the Riots and protests that we're told around the world are grassroots protests are not at all. They have staged color revolutions in country after country after country. And the same people's fingerprints, the same organization's fingerprints are on all of them. And we know that that's how Ukraine, the government in Ukraine was toppled initially. And the U.S. discussed who they were going to put in there as their new puppet president. That's all just in the record. They've done these kinds of things just recently last year in Myanmar after the military of Myanmar deposed Suu Kyi after she was named president in a fraudulent election. She is an associate of George Soros. George Soros was funding that side of the cause just like he does in America. These things happen all over the place. Now, If China, and I'm talking about Xi as potentially not the evil twin that the CCP is, right? Because we're going to have to be open to that idea at some point. I'm not saying it's true. I don't know if it's true. But I'm saying there is a way that all of this fits together and makes sense. We might not know it yet, but that doesn't mean that there is not an underlying truth that we can reach at least part of. And we're going to see a whole lot of strange stuff happen as this Ukraine situation begins to decline in our attention and the Taiwan situation starts up because we are going to get a replay of all of this right after Ukraine dies down. We're going to go right into the sequel. It's going to be a double feature. But we do know beyond any doubt that when global communist assets are being threatened the way they are right now in Ukraine, the way they sell it to the world, the way they present it is that they are there to save the citizens of the country where this bad stuff is happening. They don't care about the citizens of any country. That should be seen clearly as an indisputable truth. So when they are telling you that what they care about is the citizens of some country, You should not believe them. Very simple. So if you got little piles, right? Things that I think are pretty much true. Things that I think are pretty much false. And things that I'm not too sure about. Leave this in that middle pile. Or throw it away if you want. Information among other information. 
But this is going to be something to keep an eye on. Okay, this is the sort of thing that gives you a similar reaction to the one we had a few weeks ago when we started talking about bioweapons laboratories in Ukraine. We didn't know about that stuff. Most of us did not know about that at all. But we scaled up on the information level here at light speed. And that is what is amazing about this information stream. You basically get new knowledge just downloaded as if we're in the matrix. Oh, put on the Kung Fu program. Just put that in him. And now Neo just kicks ass. That's what is happening right now with information. Stuff gets analyzed and discarded or added on to at incredible speed. The media is absolutely screwed in trying to keep up with any of this. But we should be impressed about the ability to do that now. It's incredible. Now, I want to share one last article before I go because I think it's always good to get the full voice of the global communist agenda. And the best place to turn for that is often Project Syndicate. And I've shared pieces from this site before. Now, this writer is Stephen S. Roach, a faculty member at Yale University and former chairman of Morgan Stanley Asia. Oh, good. A globalist banker with war raging in Ukraine. China's annual two sessions convey an image of a country in denial. As the Communist Party and its advisory board gather in Beijing this month, there has been little or no mention of a seismic disruption in the world order, an omission that is all the more glaring in view of China's deep-rooted sense of its unique place in history. With its unabashed great power aspirations, modern China may well be at a decisive juncture. And that's interesting, isn't it, that he said world order? Gosh, there's not one, but it's crazy that he says it. Two documents, the Joint Sino-Russian Cooperation Agreement, signed on February 4th at the opening of the Beijing Winter Olympics, and the work report delivered on March 5th by Chinese Premier Li Kangqiang to the National People's Congress, encapsulate China's disconnect. The wide-ranging statement on Sino-Russian cooperation spoke of a friendship between the two states that has no limits. It featured an almost breathless accounting of common interests, as well as commitments to addressing climate change, global health, economic cooperation, trade policy, and regional and geostrategic ambitions. The West was put on notice that it faced a powerful combination as a new adversary in the East. Yet a mere 29 days later, it was largely business as usual for Lee, who presented what is by now the annual Chinese boilerplate prescription for development and prosperity. A familiar list of reforms stressed China's ongoing commitments to poverty reduction, job creation, digitization, environmental protection, meeting demographic challenges, disease prevention, and a wide range of economic and financial issues. Yes, there was a widely noted tweak to the economic forecast with a 2022 growth target of around 5.5% that, while weak by Chinese standards, was actually slightly stronger than expected and some hints of likely policy support from fiscal, monetary, and regulatory authorities. But this work report was notable in saying as little as possible about a world in turmoil. Yet China can't have it both ways. There is no way it can stay the course, as Li suggests, while adhering to the partnership agreement with Russia announced by Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin. Many believed that Russia and China had come together in shaping a grand strategy for a new Cold War. I called it China's triangulation gambit. 
joining with Russia to corner the United States, just as the Sino-American rapprochement 50 years ago successfully cornered the former Soviet Union. The U.S., the architect of that earlier triangulation, was now being triangulated. Yet in the span of just one month, Putin's horrific war against Ukraine has turned this concept on its head. If China remains committed to its new partnership with Russia, it faces guilt by association. <laughs> Says the people supporting actual Nazis. Amazing. Just as Russia has been isolated by draconian Western sanctions that could devastate its economy for decades, the same fate awaits China if it deepens its new partnership. And you got to understand, the United States is speaking from a, a position of strength with the fake administration. If China even thinks about helping Russia, oh, wow, we're going to stick it to them both. This outcome, of course, is completely at odds with China's development goals, just enunciated by Li. But it is a very real risk if China maintains unlimited support for Russia, including tempering the impact of Western sanctions, as a literal reading of the February 4th agreement implies. The Chinese leadership appears to sense this untenable dilemma. After Russia's invasion of Ukraine was met by uncharacteristic silence from the Standing Committee of the Politburo, the top seven leaders of the party, China has since underscored its time-honored fallback principle of respect for national sovereignty. At the Munich Security Conference last month, Foreign Minister Wang Yi stressed this point, along with China's long-standing insistence on non-intervention in other states' internal affairs, an argument that bears directly on Taiwan. But at the National People's Congress on March 7th, Wang dug in his heels, insisting that, China and Russia will steadily advance our comprehensive strategic partnership. It is as if Putin knew full well when he went to Beijing in early February that he was setting a trap for China. Oh, he's setting a trap for China, but you don't want him to set the trap for China, even though China is our enemy. Sorry, commie, I don't follow and I don't think you do either. She now faces a critical decision. He has the greatest leverage of any world leader to broker a peace deal between Russia and Ukraine, but he's not doing it. To do that, he needs to send a strong message to Putin that Russia's brutal invasion crosses China's own principled red line on territorial sovereignty. You got that? China is the very evil Chinese Communist Party, which no doubt is evil as every communist party is, including the American Democrat Communist Party and the Republican communists who go along with them. But the elitist global banker wants China to know that it should follow its own principled stand about territorial sovereignty and shut this war down. It's strange that they haven't done it already. That means he will need to register a strong objection to Putin's efforts to rewrite post-Cold War history and resurrect Imperial Russia to negotiate an end to the devastating conflict that Putin unleashed. She will need to put his February 4th partnership commitment back on the table as a decisive bargaining chip. Russia's prospects are bleak at best. Without China, it has none at all. China holds the trump card in the ultimate survival of Putin's Russia. And that's a strange thing to say right after he just got done saying that China would be in big, big trouble if they kept going down this path. 
She's own place in history may be on the line, too. Later this year, the 20th Party Congress will convene in Beijing. The major item on the agenda is hardly a secret. She's appointment to an unprecedented third five-year term as the party's general secretary. China watchers, including me, have long presumed that nothing would stand in the way of this well-telegraphed outcome. But history and the current events that shape it have an uncanny knack of shifting the leadership calculus in any country. That is true not only in democracies like the U.S., where presidents are just put in and then we're told that they got 81 million votes, even though there's no way that that is possible, but also in autocracies like Russia and China, those bad, bad autocracies. The choice for Xi is clear. He can stay the course set by his February 4th agreement with Russia and be forever tainted with the sanctions, isolation and excruciating economic and financial pressures that come with that stance. Or he can broker the peace that will save the world and cement China's status as a great power led by a great statesman. As the architect of the Chinese dream and what he believes is a great nation's even greater rejuvenation, she has no choice. My bet is that she will do the unthinkable, defuse the Russian threat before it's too late. So the elitist global banker seems to be very confused. Does China have all the power or not? Because if China has all the power and Russia is along with them presenting even more of all the power, what threat is going to cripple their economy? It's going to be American sanctions. We're talking about nations who are self-sufficient as our nation should be. Donald Trump was trying to make America self-sufficient. What this sounds like is a panicked global communist trying to advocate against the collapse of their entire agenda, which depends on a strong Chinese Communist Party and the slave labor that they use when enriching themselves and the rest of the world. If it is possible that she is the good twin in China and that he's actually working to take down the Chinese Communist Party, and again, I am not saying I know that to be true, okay? I really, really don't. I am just exploring the possibilities here and doing it with the understanding that the Western media is propaganda. We have been propagandizing ourselves for decades, which is why we are so unprepared to understand these situations as they evolve in the world. And that was all of our fault for being asleep for so long. Now, Obviously, you don't have to take responsibility for that if you weren't asleep at any point. All good. I get it. But I wasn't like that. And now I am going to explore all of the possibilities. Vladimir Putin seems to be proving that he is the good twin in Russia. We know that Donald Trump is the good twin in the United States. We know how both of them are covered by the Western media. And we know the same thing about every leader that tries to maintain national sovereignty, like Bolsonaro in Brazil or Viktor Orban in Hungary. Our media hates these men, and that's what they tell us to feel. But they are wrong about everything, and they are wrong intentionally. I would rather be a conspiracy theorist for real than a repeater of their slogans. Their intended purpose is to walk us straight into hell, into this transhumanist future where 
human freedom has ceased to exist. And that is what they're going for. That is what the vaccine passports and the social credit scores and the ESG scores and your medical information all together all the time. They track you and your location and everything you say. That is the end of human freedom. What's left after that is slavery. They have already instituted slavery all across the world. We have a slave trade on our own southern border and they have work camps, concentration camps all over China. That is the world we actually live in. And we know who's profiting off that world. We should not give them a free pass and say, oh, no, they're just they're just good Western capitalists who happen to make a lot of money off slavery in China. But that's all that's all Xi Jinping that's doing that. Well, Xi Jinping may very well be doing that with them, but they don't get off the hook either. Okay, that is our society, our Western society profiting off slave labor around the world. And we know that that is the evil twins doing. And if you think I'm being hyperbolic, ask yourself, how much time does the Western media spend informing me about what's actually going on at our Southern border right now? How much do you hear about the drug trafficking, the sex trafficking, the child sex trafficking, other human trafficking, terrorists entering, How much do you hear about that? How much do they talk about allowing illegal immigrants to vote? Not that much, but it's certainly one of their goals. How much do they talk about illegal immigrants labor being exported? Not very much, but that's what they're doing. How much do they talk about Chinese concentration camps? Virtually not at all. So what I'm saying is we understand who and what this media is. The natural response should be not to trust them at all about anything. Even if you can't detect a motivation right away, do not trust them at all. In fact, assume the opposite of what they are saying is true and then keep everything they're saying as information among other information. If it maps onto reality, fine. Maybe they were actually describing reality. Maybe they framed something else the wrong way. Maybe they decontextualized and recontextualized a piece of information to shift toward their agenda. But we cannot assume that any of the stories they actually do tell us about what's going on in the world are true at all. They have proven it over and over and over again. Vladimir Putin is not trying to take over Ukraine. Vladimir Putin is going after biolabs in Ukraine. That is pretty obvious right now. And now they're even being forced to admit it. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm Your Moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. The merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash 
I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon, down on the range. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!